Looking for sports content on the Bills, Blue Jays, Raptors, Argos, and more? Check out Sports for Beginners with me, Scott McGregor, where we will break down all of the action. To learn more, please follow the Sports for Beginners Facebook page. Listen to Sienna T Radio, because that is where it's at, baby. And it goes a little something like this. Listen to Sienna. You're gonna like it. Check it out. Sienna has the best songs, the best vibes from around the world. Tune in now, or you're missing out. Welcome to All Over the Map, where we cover our favorite sports teams, sports media, and the world of broadcasting with your host, Ali Musa. Welcome to the Friday show for all over the map. On the day of this recording, it is Friday, July 14th, 2023. I am Ali Musa. Joining me is the Raj, Roger Lajoie. Roger is a uh, a host on Sportsnet 590 The Fan, as well as some other uh, things as well, which we will get into. Raj, I want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for coming on today. I really appreciate your time. Ali, it's my pleasure to be uh, on your uh, podcast. So thank you very much. Look forward to chatting with you. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Let's start by, uh, tell us a little bit about your upbringing, please. Whatever you're comfortable sharing, please. Sure, Ali. Well, I was born in uh, Montreal and uh, grew up in uh, suburban LaSalle, just outside of Montreal. And like a lot of uh, young people, I dreamt of being a uh, sports journalist. It's pretty much, Ali, the only thing I ever really wanted to do was be involved in uh, sports. I wasn't a good enough athlete, so I wanted to be uh, either a broadcaster or a writer. And I've had the opportunity to do that. 
I uh, grew up in Montreal. I went to a lot of Montreal Expo games with my dad. My love of sports really came from my dad's love of sports. And I came to Toronto way back in 1977 to go to what was then Ryerson, which is now Toronto Metropolitan University. And I got my journalism degree. I was very fortunate in my final year of studies at Ryerson to get a job as a sports writer at the Etobicoke Gazette uh, newspaper. And uh, 43 and a half years later, I'm still very active and, and working in the business. So I've been I've been very fortunate, uh, Ali. I've been able to work for newspapers, radio stations, wire services was a big part of my career. Um, I've written five books. I was a teacher for 10 years. I worked 20 years for Eugene Melnick in the Ottawa Senators organization. Um, one of the official scorers of the Blue Jays. I've I did 1,500 broadcasts in uh, junior hockey back way back in the day. And of course, as you alluded to, the gig that I'm most noted for and, and the one I, I love the most uh, on Sportsnet 590, the fan for more than 30 years now. So grew up with uh, in, a, in a good family home with uh, terrific uh, parents and a sister, and uh, they encouraged me to chase my dreams, and I did. So there's the Reader's Digest version of where I am. Yeah, and I th I think that's one of the things too that if you have a dream for something or a passion for something, you you know you're going to feel better just chasing it. Well, there's no doubt. No matter what happens, Ali, that's that's bang on, and and that is true. You have to uh, at any stage of life, and especially younger people. In my teaching days, I I said this to students: you do have to have a a passion for it. However, you know, I also caution them and and tell them that passion is not enough. You know, um, I, I equate it to, you know, Ali, uh, a passive faith is doesn't have any more power than a stick of dynamite without a match. In other words, if you don't work that passion, if you don't uh, develop your talents, the passion itself isn't enough. But that said, if you have a passion for something and one of my taglines is uh, my vocation is my vacation. It makes it very difficult uh, for people who are trying to compete with you in any uh walk of life that you're trying to be successful in when you love it so much it's not work for you um everybody else looks at calls work the grind you will never hear me refer to my work as the grind so if you can combine passion with uh some very very active uh, faith and hard work and roll up your sleeves uh yes there's no question you can accomplish a lot but passion is important but you got to back it up with uh a lot of work and uh, it it was a lot of work for me to get where I am but when you love the work as much as I do it makes it easy you don't count the hours so it's it's all been good right so I just want to kind of touch on this here and then uh, that um now for people younger than me now I'm 34 I'll be honest about that for like you know if somebody younger than me let's say 25 comes to you and says you know I I want to get into sports media i have a dream of working for say sportsnet what is your what would your what is often your advice to young people uh in like at, at say uh, for a for a 25 year old say in this example well it's a great question. Hat back on. yeah no it's a it's a great question ali you know and i've been asked it many times and especially during the times of teaching um First, you know, I, I always start with if, if that's what you want to do and you've decided that's your passion, 
I, I love quotes. I use them in my, I also do some, some uh, life coaching mentoring for people as well. And I have for several years and I tell people, you know, you chase down your dreams, like you're chasing down the last bus of the night. So go for it. 100%. Um, it's always possible. Um, that said, I quickly follow with the comment I just made about passion not being enough, uh, Ali. It is a very difficult road uh, to get into sports media. Supply and demand is how our economy works. Uh, when there is a lot of uh, supply, uh, then it's easy. When there's not much demand, it's easy. But when there is a demand and so many people want to work in sports media, it's tough. I equate it really to someone who wants to be an actor. If a 25-year-old came to me and said, I want to be an actor, I wouldn't discourage them. I'd say, absolutely, well, go for it, chase your dreams. I'd use all the same thing. But the practicality of it is very few people make a living as an actor. That doesn't mean you won't be the one that makes a living as an actor. It doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but you've got to be aware for that and you've got to understand uh, the price you're going to have to pay moving forward. So that's what I tell people in sports media is by all means, chase your dreams. Ali, for a lot of years, I, I did junior hockey broadcast and I'm very familiar with young hockey players, of course. And as we all know, the vast, vast majority of players who even make it to the OHL, where, where I did my broadcasting, will never play in the NHL. But I don't, I don't tell them that when they first come to the team and say, well, you know, uh, the odds of you making it are like, no, you go for it. You chase it down, you do it. But you have to be cognizant and uh, mix your faith, belief, and hard work with the reality that it is going to be a difficult thing to crack because of supply and demand. So that's my advice. Then get, get all the schooling you can, get all the training you can, and get out there and work it. No, that's great advice. So like, and, and of course, going back to now, it is a difficult road because they're like, and I think it's made it, and I feel that it's made it more difficult because of all the cuts in sports media today. Well, there's 100%. That's absolutely true. But one of the reasons there's been so many cuts in sports media, Ali, is, is the landscape of, of not just sports media, but the way we communicate has completely changed. When I started my career, I started my career February 1st, 1980, when I got a part-time sports writer job at the Etobicoke Gazette. And back then, and even up until, you know, not that long ago, there was only one way uh, to get a, a career in sports media. You had to get a job. You had to get hired. There were no platforms. Somebody yeah. had to give you access to their platforms. That's the only way you could do it. That was the challenge. Um, now, the easiest thing in the world is a platform. Anybody can get platform. And you know that well. Anybody who does a podcast, anybody who is, is doing the uh, any shows of any kind outside of Sportsnet, TSN, traditional media, knows how, and I don't like to use the word easy because it does take some work, but it is simple to get on, get on the internet, do a podcast, and off you go. The, the difficult thing now is how do you make a career out of that as opposed to a hobby? That is the biggest difference uh, in, in the media. So when people say the cutbacks in sports media, uh, Ali, it used to be there, you know, I, I'm of a vintage. I only remember, you know, when cable television started, for heaven's sakes. Now there are just thousands and thousands and thousands of uh, ways to get your news, ways to get your information. Um, so traditional media, which comes with the encumbrance, and I'll use that word, 
of having to pay people good full-time salaries, of course, have to cut back because the audience is divided now. And that's, I'm not blaming it. I'm not, I'm making, I'm not complaining about that. That's just the reality of the way the world works now. So, you know, people who are seeing the way media has so many podcasts, so many people out there working independently, and then they're surprised traditional media is cutting back. Traditional sports media is cutting back because of all the extra ways you can get information. Some of it, people make money off of it. A lot of cases, they don't. So, you know, when people are looking for that traditional road into sports media, one of the reasons it's so much more difficult than it was back in the day, and even when I first broke into the business, is there was no other competition. If you wanted to be in sports media, you had to get hired at sports entertainment. Now, you go do it on your own. And I think that's a big part of it. And a lot of these shows have been very successful. Some of them have been quite financially successful, and it's eroded and eaten into sports media. And plus, Ali, because the marketplace is so cluttered, I'll use that word, the marketplace is so cluttered, and there's so much content out there, sponsorship doesn't work like it used to be. Back in the day, a sponsor would sponsor on one of the big sports media channels, and it was almost instantaneous gold for them. You had a captive audience. Now, everybody's all over the place. Where do you go? Where do you have it? So that is, I, I think, the difference, the biggest difference. And that is a battle that traditional sports media continues to fight every single day, is how do they retain that audience enough so they don't have to have cutbacks? And that's tough. It is. And I mean, but if you look at, say, the way that um, I'm not sure if uh, when you, I mean, you, you probably do, but when, I don't know if you have a chance to that you listen to how Sportsnet Five Night of the Fans sounds during the day. Oh, of course. Listen all the time. Yeah. Okay. So tell me in your view, how it sounds today back, say, um, uh, back, say in 2016, 2017, what would you say the biggest difference is today, the way it sounds? Well, the biggest difference now, Ali, is, is pretty simple. It's no longer because of, again, the changing dynamic of how people consume their information. It's, it's very little. It's not as much current radio, traditional radio as it used to be. And I'll explain that. Back in the day, and not even back in the day, just like you mentioned 2016, 17, you could even go even that in, in recent history. Radio was... You wouldn't podcast a lot of radio shows only because the radio show was current. We were talking about tonight's Blue Jay game. We were talking about what happens tonight. You could put that on a podcast, but end of the day, as soon as the Blue Jay game ends at night, the show is irrelevant. Now the shows have to be more standalone. They have to be more entertaining without being so, so much what dated. And that's the biggest difference. Uh, and again, it's not a criticism. It's an observation from a guy who's been around uh, a long time is, you know, the, the currency that radio had to be is, I think, the biggest difference. Yes. And the talent is younger. And that's a, a reflection of the business side of, of, of the business. I think the quality is still good, but it's very different. And Ali, people consume their uh, sports media uh, radio style shows on demand now. Nobody, you know, makes a point, appointment listening anymore. They can listen at any time. Well, if you can listen at any time, then I you're incumbent. That. 
yeah, if you're doing the show, you better make sure somebody might be listening an hour after you recorded it or three days after you recorded it. Well, if anybody listens to a traditional radio show three days after they recorded it, <laughs> it's all dated. We're talking about the Jays win on Tuesday and it's Thursday. Somebody go listens in and goes, what is this? So you, you see what I'm saying? You yep. now have to make the shows more general. And I think that's the biggest difference. I think the content is still good. It's different. It skews to a younger audience. And it's more, if I can use the term, podcast ready. Uh, to do especially a show like J.D. Bunkus, you know, which is actually a podcast that happens to be on the radio show. That That's kind of the trend, but that's just a reflection of the way the business is going. That's something you have to do now. Uh, some shows like the show. And he does I some do, great work, doesn't he? He does. He's terrific. He's a ter- fine young broadcaster. We've got a lot of good young talent on the station. But but the shows like Sportsnet Tonight, the ones that are Jay's talk, that that's more traditional radio. That's That's current. It's right there. It's then, it's now. So I think that's the biggest difference in, in the sound of the station over the last seven, eight years. Yeah, I mean, now Blue Jays talk is, the, that is podcasted. Everything, everything is podcasted, Allie. But my point is, you know, after you've listened to the Blue Jays podcast from Monday night's game, mm-hmm. you're not going to listen to that on Wednesday because they've already played on Tuesday. Right. You see, that, that, that's, that's what I'm talking about of the immediacy of radio. When I do a sports net tonight, you know, a 7 to 10 show or a weekend show, that's still kind of more traditional radio because we're leading into the Blue Jays game. We're talking about the Blue Jays game. We're talking about maybe TFC playing that night. We're talking about the Leafs are making a deal, whatever it may be. But all of that is changing. And within a, a couple of hours, it will all be irrelevant. Whereas a podcast, which is just general sports talk, has a longer shelf life. So if you want a lot of people to listen to your podcast, you've got to do a much more general show than a traditional radio show. And right. that's it's reflected in the marketplace. Radio stations now do a lot of shows that are more lend themselves better to podcast than a traditional radio show would. Um, right. Yeah. Now it's the same thing with their, it's the same thing with uh, the more, it's the same thing with the, I believe they're calling it the fan morning show. It's the same thing. Yes. The content on the city. Exactly. It has to be, it has to be more general talk that can, that can be done. And listen, a lot of people will download the show. So you're not in your car anymore. Maybe you're not commuting at six o'clock in the morning. Uh, the, the way you used to, although I understand it, I'm, I'm not up at six o'clock in the morning, but uh, friends of mine commute into the city and they say there's a lot of cars back on the radio, but even now people can download whatever podcast they want. So they don't have to listen to you between six and nine. They they can listen to you anytime. So you better make sure your show is has a shelf life that can stay on. So it's more general. And radio is personality. There's there's got to be some more color to it. It isn't just a, a reporting of the facts. So that's that's the biggest change in, in in the business. And it's it's a tough balancing act because for people who do listen for radio because they want to hear what's happening now. Um, it, it just requires a little bit of a balancing act in, in your content presentation as to how you present yourself with on the back of your mind. And in some cases, on the front of your mind, most people are going to listen to you as a podcast, not as a live radio show. So don't date it too much. Yeah, that's I, I, and, yeah, and I think that's an area where I think certainly that they're having that sort of that's where that transition is taking place now. When now, of course, when the fan transitioned, 
Now, we're kind of going back to the Don Collins days a little bit. When it trans and you were there in the transition when it when they when that transition took place and you did a lot of uh shows in the summertime. Yeah, well, I've been there 30 almost 31 years. Yeah. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. I've seen a lot of transitions at the San Five Dining. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, no, so like, what was that now? I mean, I think I, I remember you mentioned that that was a time that summer of 2010 was kind of the time when you did the most um the most slots that you've ever done. No doubt, no doubt. My role, though, Ali, is different than most people's uh, role at a radio station. Uh, I've been at the fan now almost 30 and a half years. Uh, I, 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 I count all my shows. I like to uh, keep track of everything I do in my career. That's how I knew all those numbers when I was uh, introducing myself at, at the top of the podcast. Uh, I've done 3,926 shows as we speak, but I fill in when people need to be filled in. So to use an example, even here now in 2023, uh, there have been some months in this calendar year, I've done three shows in a month. Uh, this July, I will do 14 in 30 days. It's just a matter. So that has always been my role. So when back to the Don Collins and a complete revamping of the radio station, and it took them some time to decide which shows, permanent shows, they wanted to, for them to come in and fill. They needed a familiar voice, a guy who had been around the station for a while to kind of be that bridge. And I'm happy to do that. I'm happy to do whatever Sportsnet 590 The Fan uh, wants me to do, Ali. But it has never been my full-time job. It has never been the only thing I have done. And because of my relationship with the station, my ability to be available when they need me, and also for them to realize I have other things on the go, I've also been able to work in newspapers, in TV, doing my broadcasting in, in the OHL, official scoring of the Blue Jays. If I was a full-time radio employee, I'd never have been able to do that. So it's been a great fit for the fan, and it's been a great fit for me personally, and that's probably why I'm still here after all these years. Can you talk a little bit about that, please? The You are the official, you, and you just mentioned it there, um, you are the official um, scorekeeper for the, for the Blue Jays at Rogers Centre. Can you talk sure. a little bit about, can you talk about that, please? Like, what sure. does that sure. entail? Sure. Uh, first, I'm one of three. There are three uh, official scorers based here in Toronto, and the Blue Jays play 81 home games. And we, the three of us do 27 of the games each. But the ultimate uh, job of an official scorer in Major League Baseball is to call the hits in the airs and be the official keeper of record of the game. We uh, sit in the press box. We are at right at home plate. Uh, we still score traditionally on uh, paper. Uh, everyone around us, our data ops team, is doing the technical part of it. We have a lot of technical tools to help us with our calls, but it is ultimately our call to make whether a play is a hit or an error, interpretation of the rules. And it is a uh, very, very uh, historical and very, it's just an honorable job, Ali, to have, quite frankly. You know, there are only 85 or 90 of us in North America because each team has usually two to four official scores. Like I say, we have three in Toronto. So maybe there's 90 people in North America who do it. I'm in my 12th season uh, with the Blue Jays in that role. And, and I know you're going to ask, how does one become an official scorer? of the Toronto Blue Jays. And I did it in the inter-county baseball league alley for 35 years as an official scorer. So I, I, I cut my teeth and I learned the game 
and uh, studied the game at the minor level. So kind of like a guy who spent a lot of time in the minor leagues to get to the majors. Uh, and I finally got my chance uh, 12 years ago. It's a, a terrific uh, assignment, very high pressure, very difficult. Everybody knows more about baseball than you do. Uh, being an official scorer is so easy when you're in one of the other 50,000 seats in the park that doesn't make the decision, but I thrive on it. I really enjoy it. And uh, yes, it's uh, it's been a very interesting part of my career. I've been really lucky to have a lot of cool uh, jobs, but that's definitely one of them. But I want to say again, I'm one of three. So I'll do a third of the home games for the Blue Jays. And I've done that the last 12 years. Awesome stuff. Yes. And, uh, and now that that's pretty interesting. Now, um, before we get into the, uh, Ben Schulman, actually, you mentioned him off air. He actually says hi, by the way. Uh, my, I'm a big fan of Ben's. Ben is just developing his career as a broadcaster. He's been, uh, a guest very kindly on several of the shows I've done and, uh, Apple doesn't fall far from the tree there. He is a terrific young man. He's going to have a great career. So, uh, if you see him before I do say hi, I'll probably see him at the ballpark sometime soon because he's getting a lot of work for uh, Sportsnet. But uh, yes, terrific, terrific young man. Yeah, absolutely. And what is what is uh, what is home plate for those that aren't familiar with sports or baseball? Can you just tell us what home plate is and describe that? Well, home plate is obviously right where the batter stands, where the catcher is, and our seats are directly above home plate to give us the best view of the ballpark. Uh, possible, obviously, because we have to make decisions uh, pretty quickly. I, I didn't mention, uh, Ali, that you know when the hit air call, especially in this day and age, and now the last two years or this year, especially with the pitch clock, uh, has to be made in about 15 seconds. You can change it, you can review it later, but you don't have a lot of time to make your decision. So we get the the best view in the house to make sure we see the play properly and we can make that call. So uh, yes, it's fun and actually. Uh, the Jays radio play-by-play booth, Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet Radio Network booth is right next to me. So we're just re- just right next. I could reach over and shake uh, shake Ben's hand, Ben Wagner's hand, or Ben Schulman's fa- hand, or whoever's doing the game. Uh, so yes, that's that's where we're situated. Uh, yeah, no, isn't Ben Wagner terrific too? Very terrific. Great guy, another guy who cut his teeth, and you know, people look at his career, did a terrific job in Buffalo and uh earned his way to the majors, had to replace a legendary broadcaster in Jerry Howarth. And yes, another terrific broadcaster. We're we're very fortunate. We we got some of the best people in the business, young and old, uh working at Sportsnet 590 the fan. Yeah, and now hopefully, you know, you know, hopefully the two Bens, um, you know, hopefully they'll be doing the games for many more years to come. For sure. And listen, that's the nature of the business. Everybody, Ali, these are the kind of gigs that once you have it, nobody wants to give it up. That's exactly. Thing. Yeah. That's, that's another thing when you, you mentioned, you know, sports media and what I tell people who are, um, you know, coming in and you mentioned the age 25 and that's a that's a good age to say it. You know, when I was teaching, I would go into the class and I would say, so how many people in this classroom think there should be more younger people on air in their 20s? And of course, since they're all in their 20s, everybody puts their hand up. And I say, that's great. That's great. And I said, okay, so let's presume for a minute that happens. What are you going to do when you're 30? And then I take a look at the look on their faces and all of a sudden the kind of dawns on them is like, right. So everybody wants a long career. Everybody wants the job. Everybody wants it to last forever. 
but it can't because there's another generation of people in the same way that any sports industry is coming up. I hope they're around for a long time, too. They deserve to be around, and especially in baseball uh, media. My goodness, Tom Cheek, Jerry Howarth, uh, Ernie Harwell. Uh, oh, my goodness. Uh, uh, Vince Scully, like, do it forever. So hopefully they have a long, long reign on it. But it's it's just the nature of the business that uh, yep. when you love something as much as you do, you want to do it forever. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? And I mean, I mean, I think, and I know, and, and Scott Ferguson was around a while, I think, doing the post game shows. Fergie was great. Scott Ferguson had a terrific run. He was the really one of the originators of uh, Blue Jays talk. Mike Wilner as well did a terrific job in that role. It's uh, it's a special job and it's it's terrific to have. And you hope uh, you're in the right place, right time that it goes for a long time. Sometimes it works out that way. Sometimes it doesn't. But while you're there, you got to enjoy it because it's uh, it's the best seat in the house. And I think Wilner too. I think he's trans. I think he's transitioned well into his, into that into that podcasting role too. Absolutely, still working for the Toronto Star as a writer too. Very gifted baseball guy, and and knows how to do a variety of things. And that's another piece of advice for people: is you know um, you got to be able to to talk on the radio. You got to be able to talk on TV. You got to be able to podcast. You got to be able to do a little writing. And if you can do all of that, then you can elongate your career for sure. Yeah. And I want to get your thoughts too on um, where the Leafs are headed. Um, do you have any thoughts on the whole, with the whole way that the Kyle Dubas era ended in Toronto? It was a, it was a, a different ending. There's no doubt about that, uh, Ali. And uh, I, I, su- I suspect some egos uh, got in the way there. I guess, first of all, I am unlike a lot of people who seem to be in this marketplace kind of sour on the Toronto Maple Leafs. I guess, again, it's my frame of reference and all the years of experience uh, that I have had. I I think I can tell you that this Blue Jay, uh, pardon me, this Maple Leaf team is still a very good team. Uh, They have accomplished a great deal. Look, it was only six, seven years ago where people were throwing waffles on the ice and jerseys on the ice and the team was a running joke and they'd missed the playoffs for such a long period of time. And yes, they have not taken the next step and that's frustrating. And yes, with that core four, you think they would have won more than one playoff series. But Ali, you know, Kyle Dubas and Shanahan and everybody who was involved in the organization has done a good job taking a franchise that, you know, was a laughing stock and turned it into an elite NHL team. They've still not broken through. I still think they're going to have a a crack at doing that this year. They're a very dangerous team, and we'll see where it goes. And as Dubas' exit, that was a strange one because I think, you know, and not knowing people personally, sometimes, you know, at the end of a season, it's a tough season, and somebody asks you at the end of the year, how are you feeling about, you know, your, your situation? And Kyle was very honest and said, well, you know, frankly, it's been tough on the family and everything. I got to think about it. I think that not only caught the media off guard and fans off guard, I think it might have caught Maple Leaf sports and entertainment ownership and upper management off guard. And apparently, according to Brendan Shanahan, who is very uh, open in his discussion about what happened, that basically said we had offered him a deal. We were going to offer him a deal. And that gets you thinking, well, all right do you really want to come back? And then they want to come back apparently, but the terms have changed and it kind of falls apart. So it was, it was, it was a different situation to say the least end of the day. I think Kyle Dubas will do well in Pittsburgh. 
I think uh, Brad Tree Living will be an excellent general manager in Toronto. And I think both Pittsburgh and Toronto now have a little bit more juice in the rivalry because of uh, what happened. It was certainly a different ending. Uh, that's for sure. But anyone, Allie, I think has to be judged on, OK, where was the situation when you took over to where it was when you left? And I don't think there's much argument. The Maple Leafs accomplished a lot under Kyle Dubas. Sure. And do you think, though, I mean, do you feel that tree living was their first choice or based on what you based on what you know? Or do you think it was something that 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 was uh, something they had to fill that spot quickly and that and he was available and they just scooped him up, basically? Well, I think their first choice was Kyle Dubas. I, I believe um, Brendan Shanahan when he said they were going to re-sign Kyle Dubas. But yes, when it does end and end suddenly and quickly and unexpectedly the way it did, you have to go to the next available uh, candidate. I think Tree Living would have been at the top of the list of a lot of uh, teams looking for general managers on quick notice. He's experienced. He, like most GMs, mixed results uh, in, in Calgary, but improved the situation there. Ala Dubas did in Toronto, just didn't break through to the next level. So I think they got the guy they wanted and got him uh, pretty quickly. And I think they got a little bit lucky there, too, to be honest with you, uh, Ali, because the timing again of Dubas's departure, when you're mm -hmm. kind of forced to get somebody pretty quickly, doesn't give you much time. And they wanted somebody with NHL experience. So I think end of the day, uh, it happened in a weird kind of a way. But I think uh, both the Penguins and the Maple Leafs are pretty happy with the men they have as general managers right now. I would. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting as well to see what they uh, end up doing, and um, it will be. Um, and and Sheldon Keefe. Um, what do you do? You um, will they extend him? That's a good question. You know, any general manager, Ali, has the uh, right and actually, you know, wants to bring in his own coach. But again, with the circumstances of the way this went down. I'm not the least bit surprised that Sheldon Keefe is going to be back as coach of the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're definitely not letting him go uh, uh, until this season starts and perhaps finishes. And to your point, perhaps they will extend him. Uh, Tree Living was quite honest. He said, look, it's a it's a get to know process. You got to get to know the, uh, the, the, the coach. Listen, Kyle Dubas and Sheldon Keefe in their body of work did a great job. There was a ton of regular season success followed by a very lack of playoff success, except for this year, one playoff series win. You could have made mm -hmm. an argument to retain them both, and you could have made an equally good argument, perhaps, to let them both go. The decision worked out the way it is. Dubas left in the manner that he did. Uh, Keith certainly merits another chance. Uh, I can tell you this much. If it doesn't work out and he's not extended in Toronto, Sheldon Keith will be working in the NHL again just about as quickly as Kyle Dubas was. He is very highly regarded as a coach. Sometimes, though, coaching, you just need to make a change for the sake of making a change. Sometimes it just has to be done. Look at the Vegas Golden Knights, three coaches in six years and one Stanley Cup, two Stanley Cup finals and a couple yep. of conference championships. So there you go. It's uh, sometimes you just have to do it. So I really, you know, no inside info for me on that because I don't know the people involved, Ali. But I suspect uh, there's going to be a fair runway for Sheldon Kiefer, I, the only way I see him being dismissed is if the Leafs really underachieved badly for a good stretch of the regular season. And I think at a point 
either mid or late season, if the Leafs are playing the way the Leafs have done in the past, I probably I, I would bet that he gets an extension here, but we'll see. And your thoughts on the Raptors? Uh, first, it all started with, with uh, Nick Nurse and where they're headed now. Yeah, that's, you know, Ali, I, I talk about this on my shows a lot on, on Sportsnet 590 Fan. I'm not really sure what the Toronto Raptors are trying to do. I, I think most people are not really sure what they're trying to do. I think they know what they're trying to do. Um, so the fact that so many of us don't know what they're trying to do isn't isn't the big problem. But it's a little bit perplexing. I mean, let's go to the trade deadline last year. It was rumored that, well, the Raptors, you know, we're going to unload and, you know, maybe build around Scotty Barnes and Van Vliet. And, you know, we, we all know the situation went, what transpired the trade deadline. And basically they added a piece in in Pirtle and didn't win a playoff game. And now here we are in the offseason and Fred Van Vliet makes a decision to move on. And listen, all, all good for Freddie. That's a ton of money for him. Bless him. He deserves it. Uh, but the Raptors wind up losing a great guy uh, for nothing. And so now what do you do? And now there's rumors Siakam might be dealt. And then you hear other rumors that, no, perhaps they they want to you know build around him and, and Barnes. And maybe they're going to run it back again. So until we see the Raptors hit the court in October, Alley, I really have to reserve judgment on what direction they may be going in because I'm not really sure. I, I think this team is good enough to be a sixth or seventh seed in the Eastern Conference, even as it is right now, even with an improved Eastern Conference. But if they want to be an upper echelon team again, I think some kind of a major move is going to be necessary, whether that's uh, reloading a bit by trading uh, a star for a bunch of early draft picks or adding or making a blockbuster, you know, like they did in the Kauai year. But surely big moves, some kind of moves are going to have to come to this Raptor team at uh, this point. Nick Nurse's time, again, like Sheldon Keefe, sometimes your time is up. He won an NBA title here. He's a great coach. Look how fast he got another job. Just sometimes, Allie, coaches get fired because it's time to move on from them and the shelf. Not everybody can be a Greg Popovich. In fact, there's only one. Greg Popovich. So uh, I still like them. The organization is good. They spend money. I'm a big fan of Masai's, but there are uncertain times, I think, now for the Raptors. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, there were even rumors that like, before Masai was extended that he wouldn't be um, that, um, you know, that he would uh, that uh, he would be moving on to something else. Yes, Masai is in, in great demand. That's the best indication, Ali, um, an organization can have that the people they have in charge are good people is the number of rumors that are connected to them uh, when they're currently under contract with your team. You know that uh, you've got good people. And that's the case. Masai Ujiri has had a terrific track record, uh, both in Denver and Toronto. He is a smart uh, businessman. He is a good general manager. He's won an NBA championship here in Toronto, and that was not an easy thing to do. He keeps his cards close to his vest. He's made some great moves, made some bad ones, but for the most part, and again, look from where when he came to where he is today. And uh, there, that banner is going to hang at Scotiabank Arena forever uh, for the NBA championship. I'm glad he's still around for Toronto's uh, sake, for the Raptors' sake. I think he can be there as long as he wants, unless maybe 
Uh, he wants to do something else in life besides be the general manager of the basketball team. He's also a very politically motivated guy with a lot of other things on the go. So uh, I'm a fan of his. I, I, I have faith he's going to be able to, to figure things out. But after a great tra- trajectory of success and followed by those terrible COVID years, especially for the Raptors, who were, you know just were decimated by playing in Florida and everything else, looked like they were turning the corner. That core was going to be good enough. And now we don't even know who the core is. So the spotlight's back on Masai. What's he going to do between now and the start of the season? I suspect we're going to see some moves here. Yeah, I think so too. And the Blue Jays, your thoughts on how their season has gone. And as they open up on this day, Friday, July 14th through the weekend, they open up a series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Your thoughts on what you thought, what you saw in the first half and how you feel the second half will go well you know ali the um every, every, I, I guess all of our opinions and thoughts on a team are based on our expectations it's the same thing i think why so many people are negative about the leafs because everyone thinks with that core four at some time they should break through and win so therefore you would look at, at, at this last season from the leafs as a disappointment well, you win, a, you beat Tampa Bay, you win a playoff round, you're a top five team in the NHL in the regular season again, and you still got a good core and a nucleus. That's not really a terrible season. <laughs> it's a pretty good season. However, by expectations, it's not that great. Same thing for the Blue Jays in the first half. Nine games over 500, in a playoff spot by one game, a team that has been better in the second half, substantially better in the second half the last two years than they were in the first. So it trends, makes sense they're going to be better. All of that, despite Alec Manoa contributing basically nothing, came back in that Tiger game and looked pretty good, but getting nothing from Manoa, uh, no Ryu, no Chad Green. They knew that coming in, but they will be available in the second half. Underachievement from from Kirk, uh, to a certain degree Springer, to a very small degree, Vladdy. Vladdy still got good numbers, but you know, not the MVP numbers. In other words, a lot of things have not gone well for the Blue Jays, but they're still nine games over 500 in a playoff spot. Despite all that, they have nine more home games than they have road games. Rio and Green will be able to contribute something. You can't expect a lot from guys coming off major arm surgery, but end of the day, you're going to get something out of them. Uh, ownership is certainly willing to to make a move. They've never been afraid to add. So I expect them to add at the trade deadline. So I'm optimistic. I I would say that the first half was a slight disappointment, again, based on expectations. But if they can be in a playoff spot with the first half we just saw, I'm very optimistic that they can not only be in a playoff spot, but get a much higher seed, maybe even take a run at a division title, and maybe uh, go deep into the playoffs based on what we've seen from this team in the second half. Uh, Ali, it's a good ball club. It's a good ball club. Uh, when healthy, the the uh, starting pitching is very good. One to five. Uh, uh, Kikuchi and uh, Barrios with nice bounce back seasons. Uh, the bullpen is better. That could, still could be a little bit better. You can always use another bat. But uh, on my shows on, on Sportsnet 590, The Fan, I talk to broadcasters from throughout Major League Baseball and all of them, Ali, come back with the same kind of feeling that they think the Blue Jays might be the most talented team in the AL East when you look at the roster overall. And if you take a step aside, sometimes it's hard when you're just watching Toronto teams all the time. But when you take a step aside, it is a very talented team. One to nine, the lineup is very good. The It's experienced. Um, so I expect more. 
So I would say first half, minor disappointment. Second half, expectations remain high. Um, they miss the playoffs. That's, that's, a, that's a disaster. Um, I expect them to do something this year in the second half, and I expect more October baseball in Toronto. We'll see. Yeah, and 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 do you think the Teoscar trade? Do you think it costed? Uh, do you think it costed the lineup here? Well, you know the numbers certainly would indicate that Varsho is not uh, one of the guys I mentioned. You know Springer and Vladdy a bit down. Kirk has had a real tough time the last well the last year, the second half of uh, last year and the first half of this year. And and, and Varsho clearly you know is is not uh, having the kind of year they anticipated him for. But again, you know. It's the same thing, Ali. One thing I never do, I never talk about, you know, first half MVPs or if the season ended today or the way things are going. Uh, let's just let the whole season play itself out and 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 see what happens. Uh, Varsho's underlying numbers and some of his analytical numbers actually are, are, are quite good. Uh, I know that's hard to believe from some people, and he does still have some home run uh, power in that bat. So, yeah. You look, no T. Oscar, no Gurriel Jr., um, that's a drop-off, especially the way Varsho is hitting. So it's part is it part and parcel of the Jays' um, record at, uh, at this stage of the season? Perhaps, perhaps, but there's time for that to improve. And I guess maybe I'll add him into that mix, too. I expect a little bit more of him down the stretch. But right now, well, yeah, I guess you'd say they probably wouldn't make that deal again. But, uh, Ali, a lot of baseball left. It's one thing after being around the game as long as I've been and watching baseball as long as I have. Let's just see who's doing what in September before we say who won or lost any trade. Yeah, no, that that's fairly good. Now, a couple of quick things I want to um, chat with you about here. You had a chance to work at um, at at, at, a, at uh, in the casino industry for a little bit. Can you talk about that? Tell us about that, please. Well, it was interesting. I, I'm no longer involved with uh, with them, but yes, Ali, I, I worked at the uh, Pickering Casino Resort as part of uh, when they first launched. Uh, in fact, I was going to work at the Pickering Casino Resort back in March of 2020, and we all know what happened in March of 2020. I actually uh, got my uh, certification to work at the casino uh, four days before the world shut down for COVID, and the casino did not even open until July 2021. So, long story short. I, I worked there for a total of about a year over the uh, first two years uh, of, of its operation. Enjoyed it very much. Assisted in a lot of, of ways to make sure the casino was was back up and, and running. There's now uh, a sports book there. There's a big hotel at the casino. Um, it's a thriving business. And I like it. It's great for Durham Region. As people who have listened to me for years know, I'm a Durham Region guy. Ali, I, I live in Curtis. I've, I worked in Oshawa newspapers for the early part of my career for, for almost two decades. And I'm very happy to see such a great development at the uh, Pickering uh, Casino Resort uh, location. A lot of people don't aren't aware, but right next to it, opening uh, next year, sometime next year, is going to be a uh, Porsche Museum. There's only 10 of them in the world and uh, only two in North America. Uh, and one of them will be in Pickering. So that's kind of a cool event. So it brings jobs. It brings a, an economic boost. And it was a good thing for me to do. Um, 
during a time period, especially during COVID and after I left the Ottawa Senators organization, that I had time to dedicate uh, to the project. So, yeah, I've always been a casino player. I enjoy it. I have a fun time there. I have a lot of good uh, friends in that uh, industry, and uh, it was a it was a nice uh, it was a nice thing to be involved in. And I'm still very um, very good friends with uh, the owners of the property, uh, which is a gentleman a lot of people heard about, Steve Apostolopoulos, who tried to buy the Ottawa Senators. I have nothing but respect for him. His two brothers, uh, Peter and Jim, uh, they are terrific entrepreneurs. They are incredibly successful, and they brought great things to Durham Region. So I'm happy to see it here for this region. It's it's important economically and it's uh, good for the community. And what are some things you are involved with today? You're, you're at Sportsnet Friday Night of the Fan. Uh, what else are you uh, involved with today? Still doing the Blue Jays, of course, the official scoring, 27 games. So I'm still with the Blue Jays, uh, still with the fan. Uh, I have written uh, five books in my career, Ali. I'm in the midst. I, I can't say what they're about because uh, we're it's it's still in the negotiation stage. But I'm going to be writing uh, three more books in, in the next two years. So I'm going to be getting back into that. I also do uh, some life coaching mentoring uh, with a company called Teammates, which I uh, co-founded. Uh, this is a way for me, I think, to really give back to the community more and more uh, as my career uh, in the media. I'm not saying it winds down because I'm not ready to to hang it up by any stretch of the imagination. But as I get further down the road in my media career, I want to give something back. And I think coaching and mentoring uh, young people is a way to do it. I was a teacher for 10 years, Ali. And, and what I found with the traditional school system is it's great. It affords a terrific education, but I think people need more guidance and mentoring uh, through their their especially the early stages of their career. So I got into life coaching about uh, nine, 10 years ago now, and we formed teammates in 2019. And uh, you'll be hearing a lot more about, about us uh, starting in the fa- fall. And I'll just leave it at that. So that's going to be a big uh, particular thing of mine. And I still do some freelance work. Uh, I, I cover major sporting events and and work for a variety of publications. Uh, whoever needs, uh, you know, somebody based in Toronto that can do the media work. So I remain very active, very busy. And uh, that's where when I say vocation is a vacation, uh, it's not really work for me, Ali. So the more the merrier. So but the fan, uh, Major League Baseball, writing books, teammates, that's my major focus for now. And in the fall, I'll have a few more new things on the uh, uh, docket. So I'll have to come back on your show and uh, talk about it then. How about that? Oh, you'll be back in the, yeah. So we'll, we'll have you back in the fall. We'll have you back in the fall. Um, and yeah. And uh, what about now? Um, what are, what's the, first of all, what is that song called that, that, that you begin that, that, that your shows always begin with? Da, 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 da. Yes. Da, 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 da. That is the Hellraisers by the Sid Dale Orchestra, Ali. And it's a song I've used, I don't know, I, didn't, I haven't used it for all the years I've been on the fan, but uh, I've maybe played it 15 years. When I solo host shows, that's the intro that I use. I just love the tune. It's bouncy. Anyone who's heard it is it's it's good. And it does have a bit of a, a sports um, connection to it because NFL films back in the day used to use that as a lot of its background music because at points of it, it's it's very dramatic music and it was done. Dun, 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 dun. So it was background for NFL films. That's where I first heard it and became familiar with it. And way back in the day, it was also the intro for the Spider-Man cartoon series that was on television. And that's decades ago, but it was the same spot. 
and Spider-Man would come in and, and do his kind of thing. I like it. It's a bouncy tune. And Ali, it's uh, the biggest thing for me as a broadcaster and the biggest thing I can tell anybody is, and I hope I'm projecting it now, is your shows have to have energy. You've got to be up. Yes. Uh, and especially when you're doing a radio show and back in the day when everyone's driving in their cars, they're not there to hear lullabies. They want to hear they want to hear energy. And that doesn't mean screaming. You don't you know, you don't have to you don't have to be loud, but you have yep. to have some energy. Well, I think that intro kind of brings the energy that I hope to bring when I do the show. But thanks for asking about that, because a lot of people have asked me that. Uh, yeah. But it's the Hellraisers by Sid Dale Orchestra. And it's a oh, my goodness, it's got to be almost 50 years old now. Yeah, and what are some of your and what are maybe a couple of your favorite uh, sports, uh, Toronto sports um, uh, media pod, Toronto sports podcasts? I like Toronto Mike. I've been on Toronto Mike's uh, uh, quite a bit. I like right, all yeah. of our sports. I like our, our Sportsnet stuff. Thirty Two Thoughts is uh, is absolutely uh, terrific. And listen, we do as good a job as anybody doing uh, those. Uh, that's kind of must listening. I love uh, Blair and Barker. Uh, I love baseball talk. Oh, you like Blair and Barker, do you? Very much so. They are terrific. Um, I, I got to admit, though, Ali, I'm more a traditional radio guy than I am a podcast guy. I I still listen to traditional radio a lot, even when I so last month I was in Las Vegas for the Stanley Cup final and I was in Nashville for the NHL draft. And whenever I'm on the road and I got to rent a car when I'm there, I'm tuning in to sports radio there because I like to hear what the locals are talking about today instantaneously. I'm I'm old school, Ali. I, I like to hear what's happening today. When I do my next show Saturday morning between 10 and noon, I'm going to be talking about the Molson Indy, uh, Toronto Indy now it's called, pardon me, today, right now. So uh, my listening habits are still largely radio based but those are some of the podcasts uh, i enjoy listening to but i'm still in my car fairmount i am still loyal to the radio and uh while a lot of people won't make appointment time to listen mm-hmm. and by the way anything that's on the fan vast majority of the shows you can podcast it you can listen to it later as well so i like the sports net ones 32 thoughts blair and barker uh jd's uh, bunkus is great as well and uh um yeah, there, there's a lot of them. I've, unfortunately, probably too many to have to listen to. That's one of the problems. Oh, yeah. it's so difficult. It's, that's why it's so difficult in sports media. There's so many choices, Ali. And you'll be in all over the map listener now, too. Absolutely. I would say, hey, I got to jump in there. Yeah, now I'm, I'm, this is, this is going to go skyrocket to, skyrocket to the top now that you've had me on. Absolutely. Now, where can people find you online? How can if they have any questions for you? Where can they contact, how can they contact you? I'm a pretty easy guy to get a hold of on Twitter at the Raj 590. I also went on threads this week at Roger Lejoie 590. Also on Instagram at Roger Lejoie 590. Also have a Facebook page. I have my own website, rogerlejoie.com. I'm very fortunate. I'm one of those guys who, Ali, if people want to find out about me, um, I, I just probably more because my name is Roger Lejoie and it's not John Smith, or a very common name. You Google Roger Lejoie, you'll get all the information, including my Twitter handle, Instagram, and where have you. And you'll find out information about uh, teammates as well. So I'm an easy guy to find. I enjoy interacting with listeners, and people can drop me a line anytime they like through any of those social media channels. Absolutely. That sounds good. And you can find me at ATOM Podcast 819 on Twitter. Follow the All of the Map Facebook page at 
by searching all over the map podcast. And of course, uh, if um, and of course, if 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 I if I know you, you can follow my personal uh, profile as well. And well, on Facebook, and you can also reach HTTP colon slash slash alitechgroup.wordpress.com. You want to be on the updated on the uh, list on the mailing list to get all the updates? Let me know. Um, on the e-blast list, I guess we call it, right, Raj? Absolutely. And good for you, Ali. That's the way to do it. And we were talking earlier with sports media is you've got to give people an opportunity to connect with you, to get feedback. I know your other podcast, your work, you you get information and, and thoughts from listeners. That's always been a big part of radio as well as that interactivity. You know, the same thing. Best time in the world to be on air uh, whether it is when something breaks that moment. And that's where the fan is so great. I, I go in. I love the lineup. Producer hands me the lineup when I go in. But the back of my mind, I'm hoping, geez, I hope something big happens tonight so we can blow this up and get reaction and, and, and do it. And that's what you do by being available over all those channels. So 100%. And let's you and I personally connect on uh, Facebook as well, because I'm the same yeah. as you on Facebook. My my, pri- yeah. my posts are public, but by the way, I, I, yeah. I that publicly. Yeah. By the way, we are going to admit, uh, we are going to mention here on air that I did send you a friend request a while back. Well, I got to find that because I must have misplaced it and you'll get it responded to uh, once we're done. 100%. Awesome stuff. And also on threads, you can find me on threads and Instagram at ATOM podcast 819 and Mastodon. Well, and on the map, we'll be back with you on Tuesday, which will be July 18th, featuring Marco Flalo. And we will return then and looking forward to being back on the on the show. Raj, I really want to thank you for joining me on All Over the Map today. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Ali. It was fun to be with you. Continued good luck and success with your podcast and uh, all the best to you. Thank you so much. And we say the tagline together here that it is not a goodbye. It is. Until next time. Have a Until great, next time. I have a great weekend, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to All Over the Map. If you have any questions or feedback, you can email me at atompodcast819 at gmail.com. That is A as in alpha as in the, O as in over, M as in map, podcast, 819 at gmail.com. You can also feel free to visit our website to learn more about upcoming episodes at https colon slash slash alleytechgroup.wordpress.com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map once again that is https colon slash slash ali tech group dot wordpress dot com slash podcast dash all dash over dash the dash map and it is not goodbye it is until next